Icarus, go nuke! Aliens master military minds. If the world ends tomorrow, it's all your fault. Konami and Ultra are putting you under the gun by giving you the power and strength to save mankind from certain extinction. In Super C and Snake's Revenge, two new mega-hit mega-wars, you'll be bombed, blasted, and befuddled by the vile alien Red Falcon and the world's premier madman, Hyarola Kakamimi. From the onset of these onslaughts, they'll fight you tooth and claw with thousands of planet-blistering weapons. And if your rocket launchers, flamethrowers, laser guns, and supreme wits fail, to overcome multiple levels of mass destruction, civilization will cease to exist, and you'll have no one to blame but yourself. Kunami. Official Nintendo seal of quality. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random and a banter, two bits. Random banter, buddy. How you been? What's going on? What's up with you? Uh, I'm going to chuckle at that one because I got it. We got a guy in this issue who is getting a shave and a haircut. Yes. And he is paying two bits. <sighs> that's that's cute. I like it. I like it. I like it. Happy birthday to you. That's my gift. A little that's bit of joy. That's what I was going to mention that we are recording this a couple days past my birthday. And yes, according to the calendar and according to adding the first digit and last digit of my age together, I am nine years old. And that would explain why I'm surrounded by toys and comic books. Yep. So that's my story and I'm sticking to it. No, I had a very nice birthday. I uh, took the day off and went out and did some things, but I got some good presents in. I, I actually got some I actually got some toys. So I was very happy hey. about that. I got some more Marvel Legends. I've actually got all the Marvel Legends in the series with the Wendigo Build-A-Figure. So I've got Wendigo now. It's Ooh, pretty awesome. That's pretty sweet. It came with Cannonball. And if you look over there on our nice little screen, mm-hmm. I've got like the thing on the wall that's up there. That'd be Cannonball blasting right out of my wall. It's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Wife came in the room and was like, what are you doing? I'm constructing. Yeah, That's what I'm I do. I'm making a thing. I have an idea. I make stuff. But yeah. I, I, I wanted to mention all this because one of the presents I got was a very... It was on my list of things that I wanted for my birthday or just on my list of presents in general. And my sister-in-law got it for me. And it is the complete collection of Bone. Mm, that is a great series. That is is an amazing read. It's a big, big read. It's a tome. It is a big, thick book. But I have been sitting there chewing my way through that, forgetting everything else and saying, this is the hill I'm dying on now. I am dying on the hill of bone. So I'm about, uh, I'm getting on to about halfway through that book and it is quite enjoyable. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm very much enjoying it and it is a pleasant, pleasant read. And if you have not read Bone by Jeff Smith, who was the writer and illustrator, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Came out between 91 and 2004, and it is quite enjoyable. Quite enjoyable. It's very family friendly, too. It really is. It is. Yeah, that I am so glad you're getting to read that because that is uh, you just mentioning it. It is bringing back all these warm, fuzzy feelings to me where I'm like, oh, man, I need to read that again. That was so good. <laughs> It is It is quite good. It's a very good read. Highly recommend it, like I said. But 
I am taking up too much time, even though it was my birthday week, so I guess I could. But I won't. I won't. I won't. I will hand it off to my wonderful co-host, Jeff. Jeff, what is your banter? Oh, man. Well, let's see. About two weeks ago, we had a lot of rain here. Uh-huh. And our sump pumps stopped working. Uh-huh. And our basement flooded. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so it was like 10 o'clock at night and uh, everybody was kind of winding down. Hillary's like, oh, I'm going to go to bed. I'm like, yeah. And I'm playing, you know, like kid hide and seek with my daughter. And I come downstairs going, oh, is she down here? Oh, where is she? And I walk downstairs and I'm like, I'm not playing anymore. Hillary, come here right now. <laughs> and uh, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, just get down here. It's flooding. And she's like, ah. So we run around and the water level's rising and we're hauling the stuff out of the, you know, out of the downstairs basement and taking it upstairs and just getting all the stuff out before we can deal with the water because it's like we can't have all these boxes and everything getting flooded because, you know, storage space. And I was like, ah, throw all this upstairs. Okay, now we can start working on it and get a, we have got a wet dry shop back. So I'm suctioning up stuff with that, throwing that out the back door. I like, vacuumed up like 30 gallons of water. We took three garden hoses and ran them into our sump well area and ran those out a door and had that going all night long. And I wound up like taking a big plastic, like painting tarps and putting them in the, you know, in, around the frame of the doorway and kind of stuffing those and stuffing stuff against the door. So there'd be at least a little bit of a gasket to keep some of the freezing wet air, you know, air from the outside, outside, not in the house. And, uh, you know, finally dealt, got that dealt with and got to bed from, you know, it started at 10. We got to bed around like 3.30 in the morning. My daughter was loving it because she's running around splashing through all the puddles that are in the house <laughs> while being warm and inside. So she was absolutely digging on that. But, of course, she's slopping around in all this, you know, kind of quasi muck water. So it's like, well, welcome to the 3 a.m. bath time, I guess, tonight. So let's give you a bath and let's get to bed and everything. But working on that for the past two weeks, we're almost done. I did kind of the... Uh, because we got furniture and stuff down here, we have to lift stuff up and move it around and dry it. And then we could like wash half the floor and then move, you know, let that dry and then move stuff over and wash the other half. I just washed the other halves of the floors today. So that's almost done. The only thing that's left is we got to pull the washer and dryer out and, and clean up around that. But it's just like, oh, cool. Two weeks or so of effort, we can get back to basically where we were about two weeks ago. And then we can start picking up all these other crafts and not hobbies, but, you know, chores that we've been meaning to do that we have to do. That it's like, well, a basement flood will just push that off to the side. So we've been dealing with flooding. Yeah, you know, I was really hoping that that entire thing would end with, and in the midst of cleaning everything up, we found a buried treasure. But it didn't, and so it was very sad. It would have been a better story if you found a buried treasure. It would have been a worse story if you found a buried skeleton. Oh, I did. It was a, it, there was a skeleton with one eye, and there was a pirate ship, and mm, uh, mm, I got kidnapped by some, uh, mm. some Italian people. And That sounds like the uh, plot to Goonies, and not the plot to Jeff's submerged adventure. <laughs> I might be stealing, borrowing, homaging another property's intellectual property. But <laughs> Well, while you are stealing that, I think you should also steal the plot from last episode so you can retell it in two senses to our lovely, lovely listeners. It is the challenge of the battling plot lines as Jim wants to talk to Reed about their missing children. A homeless guy is set on fire by some exceedingly aggressive teens before getting on a spaceship. Franklin is sidelined with space caper dreams where he is killed. Nova becomes a human torch long enough to become an evilly cosmically powered being. And Power Pack is there too. Also, Franklin kidnaps the homeless guy by taking him into space to deal with Galactus. Friday wants to amputate the Elon child's energy-discharging headstock. Maggie is a hot mess, and Alex is still pretty peeved about his hair continuing to fall out. 
Now that the, oh yeah, Starstalker was defeated slash destroyed by Nova with the get your mind out of the gutter stimulator device, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Now, we are on the quest to find out what the newest beer in the series of beers shall be that I give to my friend. And the only way I can do that is to wave my hands over this magical computer device and cause a paper bag wrapped present to appear in his hands. Abracadabra, magic appearance, and show up in his handiest. What do you got there, my friend? Abracadabra, <laughs> it's a beerius. <laughs> it is. I have the back of it. Whatever it is, it's cool looking. It is. The Brewing Project Long Gone. Hazy India Pale Ale with Eldorado Mosaic and Galaxy. I'm assuming hops. That's a cool looking can. <laughs> that is a uh, alien spaceship abducting a hops zombie astronaut or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I would dare to choose a can depicting an alien spaceship kidnapping somebody. Oh, man, it's hard to tell <laughs> other than that totally happens in that this issue. Totally, totally, totally happens, totally happens. <laughs> where, where, where a homeless guy runs onto Friday. A homeless guy says, I'm not going to get on Friday, gets on Friday, gets kidnapped and uh, by Franklin, who's comatose. And then Friday's all like, we have uses for you. And it's like, cool. <laughs> so the brewing project is... From, as their website says, stubbornly crafted beer from EAU Claire, Wisconsin. I saw this one and I thought it looked kind of cool looking. And, you know, the, the, they their mission is to create darn good beer, not beer that everyone will like, rather beer that many will love. Boring just isn't our style. If that's what you want, go somewhere else. This is a 6.5% hazy IPA. Yeah, we're just going to crack that puppy on open and pour it into our lovely, lovely receptacles. Wowzers, can you uh, can you uh, smell that? Yeah, that uh, that pour is very aromatic. They weren't lying. That is that is definitely a hops. <laughs> yeah, but there's. I'm also getting a little bit of a fruit smell in there too. Yeah, there was a. Oh man, I just killed my nose by tasting one drop of the beer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, fruit notes, it has a really sweet kind of almost candy-like aroma to it. Like you're canning, like you're making jam or something. And then yeah. the closer you get the uh, the beverage to your nose, the definitely more hops it becomes. That sweet, sugary, fruity notes really turns into massive hops. It is definitely hazy. Definitely very, very hazy. And it pours with a very thick head. Yeah, very thick I, yeah head. I've got like a two-incher on mine. I was trying to be real careful. I'm like, oh, man, I suck at pouring beer anymore. But Rick did the exact same thing. I just, I mean, I was pouring it as carefully as I possibly could. And it pours with a thick head, yep. which is good. I mean. You don't see that on IPAs very much. Mm. Not really. Yeah, that's uh, actually kind of. And it holds, too. That, that froth monster is Ooh. going nowhere. So I'm going to try for the can. I'm actually enjoying it. It's very fruity. It's very sweet. The, the hops are are really hidden. They don't really show up too much. No, I'm not getting any of that bitter metallic taste in my mouth I usually get. It is very smooth, very fruity, very sweet. Okay, the, the hop notes come in way after as an aftertaste, but they're really mild. A lot of IPAs will just really tart my tongue up or make me go, really squelch me up. This is just, oh, hi. Yeah, hey, how's it going? It doesn't 
like affect your face or your taste buds or anything. No. It just it's really smooth drinking. It might be because mine's really cold, but I don't know. It might be. I it's it's very tasty. I like this. I like this a lot. They've done a good job with this. Okay, the mm-hmm. second sip, it's a lot more tart. It's got a little bit more hop, but it's still really smooth. This is a really smooth nice. beer. I'm I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this a lot. I'm I'm curious to see if it warms up. If I let it last that long, it might not last that long. I'm enjoying my drinky drinkies on this a lot. So it is very good, though. It's very smooth, very sweet. Once again, long gone by the Brewing Project. Uh, it's If you're out here in the West Coast, it might be hard to find. All you up there in Wisconsin, enjoy. Huh. No, uh, like you were saying, this is very enjoyable so far. And you know, story time on it is keep cold, drink fresh. So there you go. Yeah. There we go. We are going to try to keep it cold. (laughs) And as we're keeping it cold, we will do so by slinging some cold, cold credits at it. Jeff, if you please. Power Pack, issue number 58, September 1990, Starstruck. Credits. Writer, Michael Higgins. Artist, Tom Morgan. Letterer, Joe Rosen. Colorist, Nell Yomtov. Editor, Mike Rockwitz. Chief, Tom DeFalco. With a plot assist by Seth Crutchcow. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Massmaster. Density, Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed. Flyer, Jack Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, or Energizer, or something, who knows. Energy, Katie Power, a.k.a. Counterweight. Gravity, Franklin Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail, Astral Projection. Friday, Alien Smartship from Camellia. And guest starring, Nova, not Firestorm, and not a guy wearing a bucket on his head, and currently not a Herald of Galactus. She had a bad milkshake, and now she's all kinds of evil. The Elon, an alien the kids found on another planet that has been hovering at two hit points for a few issues. Some guy. A homeless guy who was set on fire but did not take any damage, who is now on Friday and has no clue what is happening. A lot like us. Jim and Maggie Power, the parents of Power Pack. Jim is looking for answers about why his kids have powers. Maggie is having a mental breakdown because she suspects her kids have powers. Reed Richards, Franklin's dad, should have all the answers, but does not. Okay, so we are starting right at the end of last issue, and Nova has gone supernova. The end. Hang on, what? Well, Nova has gone evil, right? Yeah. She has fire powers that are cosmically enhanced, right? Sure. She is on Earth, attacking Power Pack, unleashing her power on them, right? Yeah. Okay, all of the kids have become irradiated and are now dead. End of story, full stop. No, no. While I see how you can logically get there, the writer has chosen not to allow Nova to go fully evil. Her switch is stuck in that spot just above mostly evil, so her searing, energy-arcing, full-page attack appears to just be annoying. Well, what about the kids? What happened to them? Ah, well, I think we can use a no prize here with them being irradiated with cosmic rays because they start to act, ah, let's see here, what's the word, uh, dumb. Let's go with different. After Alex and Katie give an abbreviated retelling of their names, origin story, and mission statement to each other, Alex reduces to small size so he can get under Nova's foot to flip her over while Katie touches her to degrab her. Let's just pick apart this plan, shall we? Alex goes under the burning lady's foot while he has his sister touch the burning lady who can also fly so they can flip her over to accomplish something 
Personally, I would move away from the fire, but yeah, okay. The plan fails because their combined efforts do not cause her to move at all, but they do distract her enough for Jack to blast her in the face while she laughs at them for their non-existent threat level. No threat, huh? Well, allow me, the destroyer, to disagree. <laughs> so, Jack is destroyer this issue instead of energizer like last issue? Pure so. Jack is as fickle as a moth flying close to a flame. Well, he might be as fickle about his name, but one thing he isn't fickle about is action and action-adjacent activities. You see, Jack is an extremely underage man with a plan. He directs the rest of the family to a nearby water tower. While some members argue against causing property damage, Jack convinces them to remove the reservoir and dump it over the hothead to snuff out her scorching silhouette. Seriously, the steam that comes up starts to dissipate Alex's cloud form. How is that funny? I have to laugh. Otherwise, the bunnies will win. Okay. Meanwhile in hyperspace. Home of the sleeping starship troopers. Now let's be fair. Only half of the sentient beings are not conscious. True, one of them is an absolute homeless man of mystery, and the other is the sparship they're in. But what's the problem? At the moment, I have too many to count. But let's start with, who is this guy? Great question. And? No clue. Okay. Uh, anything new on the alarm? Yes. It is going to have its injured antenna amputated by Friday. You know, the one antenna that keeps shooting out fireballs. Yeah, I remember the... Wait, why? Wait, what? The unnamed homeless guy is saying the same things. He is really confused. Feeling the same feels, my friend. Feeling the same feels. But... He takes it in stride that he is in hyperspace in a talking spaceship with an unconscious child and a green alien child expelling fireballs. But you know what would make him feel better about the whole situation? If the ship gave him a bath, a shave, and a new set of clothes. Seriously? What the f- Franklin. Franklin. You were going to say Franklin. Yeah, well, yeah, he is freaking out about being left alone again while the homeless guy spends his two bits. So he is tumbling through the lonely, isolating darkness of his mind. But that's okay, because he is reminded that he can now talk telepathically or something with thought and Friday. Uh, so they chat about how they're going to steal the ultimate nullifier from Galactus. Fine. Whatever. Sure. But how does this nobody homeless guy rank a Manny Petty Spa Day in space? Well, Jeff, I'm glad you asked. If you were a smart ship and you had this recently doused in alcohol and ignited guy inside you, wouldn't you want to clean him up a bit? I mean, again, he was emulated last issue after being drunk and asleep on a park bench in clothes that he has worn for quite a while. Fair point, I guess. Plus, Friday does a deep scan of the guy and discovers that not only is this scrawny homeless guy extremely beefy and jacked, but that his biological system contains the potential to have superpowers like other Earth superheroes. Great! I'm assuming that Friday is able to identify a power set, a name, something to give us a clue about this guy? <laughs> Funny man! No. Well, Friday is helping Franklin at least, right? I mean, he's stuck in a coma and is only able to communicate her while he is trapped in the black void of his sunken place. So Friday must be talking to him. You betcha she is. She is telling him that there is no escape, nowhere to run, and nowhere to hide. Franklin's response is that he does not want to die. <laughs> Meanwhile on Manhattan's Upper West Side, home of a very posh rooftop eatery. Dr. Power and Dr. Richards have met and said, Doctor? 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 Doctor. Doctor. 
And then they sat down for a nice meal to talk about how they suspect that the Power Kids have powers and have formed a superhero team with Franklin. Hold it one second. You seem annoyed. Yes. Why are they having this conversation at a public restaurant and not, you know, the Fantastic Four headquarters or some other private place like anywhere? That's a simple answer, my friend. They are hungry, and Sweet Petunia's nephew Ben has probably wiped out the pantry back home. Man, let me tell you, I need something to make sense real soon in this comic. Well, you are in luck. A massive, perpetual explosion happens in Central Park, and Reed Richards sees it. Being a hero and all, he, Magnus Burnside's in. Wait, while I get the rushing in reference part, there have been explosions for the past indeterminate amount of time going on with the fight with the Starstalker. Why didn't he engage then? Simple. He did not see those. And this one was the most dramatically appropriate one for him to exit the conversation. <sighs> sure. Fine. Whatever. Too bad him and Jim do not get to finish their talk. Oh, wait. Jim assists this Dine and Dash by rushing in, too. Because? Plot reasons. Well, he does say that it is by his building, so it makes a minimum amount of sense. But here's the important part. Reed, because he is all long legs, super stretchy and stuff, is barely able to get to the park before Jim and assess the situation. Which is basically that an evil version of Nova is fighting a costume and superpowered fortet of Jim's children. Jim powers pack, if you would. Reed tries to stop Jim from seeing this, but he's too late. Those are my kids! Well, I'm sure that Jim will be fine with all this if we just give him a little space. Meanwhile in space! Home of the classy swinging nightclub. With a smooth cat that got all that from front to back. Okay, wait a second. What are you talking about? I thought we were back on Friday. No, baby, no. You are mistaken. Now that this mysterious man of elegance and grace has had the uber Chimelian spa day, he is looking suave and dapper. He is even nonchalantly leaning on the door. He just needs a dame, a smoky bar, and an off-tune piano in the corner to complete the ensemble. Well, instead of that, he's got a small child lying on a table being prodded with probes. Not the swinging mood I was looking for. Bummer for you. Friday, being this book's official narrator, overly shares all of the information. Earth is doomed. Only you, strange man who we just met and whose name we still don't know, can save us. We are going to see Galactus and get the ultimate nullifier. Oh, and the child has psychic powers and is going to take over your body. Well, what started off as a terrifying and incomprehensible narrative has just turned creepy. Freddy wants to use shock therapy to shunt Franklin's astral projection into the mysterious guy's body. This is a whole new level of Marvel Comics Frankenstein science. And, speaking of a jumble of parts, why does Friday trust this mysterious guy? Well, why not trust him? I mean, check out how he's dressed and how clean he looks. I mean, I would trust him, too. But, but, but Friday just... she just... She, she, she's the one who rub-a-dub-dubbed him. Well, the guy does give his consent to proceed, while seemingly to be completely the opposite of nonplussed, which is actually nonplussed, so... The zap to the comatose kid kicks the consciousness kitty corner into the kind, clean, consenting cauldron of the mystery guy. It seems that Franklin is hitching a lift inside this guy while his body continues to recover. And again... This guy is just super chill about this. Apparently he has led the life where this is just a normal occurrence. The guy's superhero name has got to be the Aloha Spirit, because baby, it's all good. Okay, he has passed all of the tests that would have sent us into the corner in the fetal position, but how about this? 
Friday has successfully made it to Galactus's ship. After landing, unnamed dude is sent out to find a gizmo on a Planet Eater ship with a young child's presence hitching a ride inside of him. Comics, folks. Comics. He has just one job to do. Sneak past Galactus. Narrator. He fails. Yes. Yes, he does. Meanwhile on Earth. Home of the imperiled children and Mr. Bad Dad himself. We're talking back dads, we're talking Reed Richards, and he just shows up and saves Katie from being blasted by cosmic fire. He starts to ask what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on, but then he notices the stimulator. (laughs) (laughs) And he surmises that it was probably set to evil, and that that is what caused the cosmic being to go nuts. Yeah. It happens. Reed thinks he can fix this. With the device that has a name that makes us giggle every time it is said, and Jack thinks he can help too by absorbing the energy off of Nova for, you know, sciencey reasons. Plan in place, the two heroes begin to zap attack Nova. It is at this time that all the mobile news crews arrive on the site. First things first, the plan fails. As the energy goes across the page, Nova transitions from evil to human to sort of evil. Then she blasts Reed, removing him from the equation. The backlash of the excess energy causes Jack to lose control. But without him, without the stimulator, it's too much for me. Gotta, gotta release it. And he releases an energy blast back to Nova and does not start giggling after he says stimulator. Second... The press is set up and, well, there's a mob now. And to make things awkward, the rest of Power Pack and their dad are standing around, twiddling their respective thumbs, watching Jack, you know, almost dying. The press then sees them and starts to ask questions of the unobscured family. It is at this point that Alex remembers job one of the Mass Master power set, so he finally decides to cloud up and hide them from view. To be fair, Jim Power is looking concerned, and his kids are a little distracted by that. Well, his son is playing with evil cosmic energy. Any good parent would be concerned. But still, the kids gotta get their heads in a better place. Meanwhile at the Power Apartment... Home of a better place and a much happier mommy. Maggie is indeed feeling better, and has decided to get some painting done, since her family is not at home. Which... You know, should be odd, but whatever. She isn't thinking about that too hard, and they are probably fine anyways. She decides to take a break, so she clicks on the news to have some noise, and she catches the report that shows her kids, front and center, with superpowers doing superhero stuff, which causes her mind to... Snap! Which leads us to... Meanwhile on the Smart Chip Friday... Home of the post-surgery Elan child where Friday has just... Meanwhile on the Galactus's ship... Home of the can-I-finish-the-previous-home-of sentence... Now, the still-unnamed suave and sophisticated but still homeless guy starts to chat with Galactus. Weigh your words carefully, lest you die like the insect you are. Okay, I have a question. Why is Galactus not just squishing this gnat who broke into his crib? I mean, why not? It's not like he's ever had any issue where humans have messed with his stuff and caused him any problems or anything. Actually... Besides, thanks to Franklin finally coming out of his coma at that moment means that he can project his astral self in front of his future Herald and give him a talking to. So, the entire side plot about him hitching a ride inside this rando was... A pointless exercise in futility. Yes, that's what it was. Moving on. 
Franklin tells Bob's big boy to chill out. His Herald has gone crazy, and they need the most destructive MacGuffin in Marvel Comics history to save the Earth. And to save her. Galactus, in turns, tells the pint-sized pest to hold on to his underoos. He is not really keen on giving away that piece of tech. I am not certain, child, that you or any human would be able to wield the ultimate nullifier. Still, there may be another way. Shortly, which does not describe Galactus. Home of the better than another meanwhile. Friday is star trekking across the universe. Always going forward, because they can't find reverse. Thank you. Galactus has given them a device, and Franklin is just now realizing that they are hanging out with a guy with no name, instead of the horse. And he does not seem to care that he could take a moment to learn it. You see, he has other things to do. Like stand around quietly and think about things. Franklin is big picturing it. He's worried. He does not know how this is going to turn out because he cannot control his precog powers. And he is also worried about the Elan, who has had a recent and unfortunate nip and tuck. Luckily, the Elan has woken up and Franklin starts to talk to him, telling him that it is too bad his parents aren't here for him. This is something he understands. His parents abandoned him all the time, which is rough. But hey, you get used to it eventually. Harsh. You know, but but fair. Meanwhile on... Home of the... I don't even care where we are anymore. Things are going badly in the battle against Evil Nova. Reed is down. Jack is exchanging fire with her. Alex is being, well, Alex. But at least he's being Alex as a cloud, so whatever. Jim is standing around like a target, and Julie and Katie are heading into battle. Don't worry about us. We've saved the world before. This sits as well with Jim as you might expect probably making a little brain-snapping noise as he stands there dumbfounded. But have no fear, Friday is here. Breaking through the Earth's atmosphere like it was nothing, she comes screaming into the park with a cloaking device on. She lands, and Franklin disembarks like the Terminator holding a handheld M134 minigun. Except it's more like a long, flat vacuum nozzle. That's the plan, all right. Franklin is going to vacuum out the evil in Nova. Good thing the media is here to record the epic dustbusting now that Alex is declouded to let Franklin see what he is doing. Too bad Jack disintegrated all the power cables for all the cameramen, disabling them. Oof, that ought to take care of that. Back to Franklin, the device in his hands is called the Elemental Obliterator. Okay, fine. While it's not as funny as the Stimulator, but, you know, it it's an effective name, whatever. Galactus said that this could save the Earth, but he never said if it could save Nova. Galactus also said that it would probably kill him if he used it, and Galactus said that Franklin would probably not get his deposit back. Wait, isn't that why he didn't give Franklin the ultimate nullifier in the first place? Yeah. Then why would he? Because this looks cooler than the nullifier, okay? I mean, if a device is going to kill you, you want to look good going out, right? Reed might and would disagree with you. He is using his reaction to have a panic attack of opportunity. Apparently, he can tell just by looking at this giant gun thing that Franklin is going to die if he uses it. Well, yeah. Also, remember, he held the ultimate nullifier and used that against Galactus. He knows that stupid-looking weapons don't get you killed. And he could stop Franklin if only Jim Power was not restraining him. Hang on. The world's smartest and most flexible man is being restrained by a... Human? Keep in mind that this is Mustache Jim, and he is one cool and capable customer, so let's just put a pin in that for now, because Franklin has started counting down his ten dual commandments. Number one, the challenge. Demand satisfaction. Yoink! Hey, 
I didn't even get to finish the first commandment. And there was no sound effect there for Carrie to do. No, but there should be one as Franklin's second, the Elan, takes the Dyson 5 million out of the boy's hand and sets his face to Dirty Harry mode. If he could speak English, or speak at all, he would be asking Nova if she felt lucky. Well, does she? Punk? And the answer is purple. For those without the book, Rick is right. The Elan shoots the evil Herald and the background dissolves into a purple haze. The energy is coming out of Nova, but the still injured Elan is fading fast. Alex wonders what they should do and if he should play a guitar solo. And Julie reminds him that he has his density field. Oh, right. Well, he hits the Elan with uh, something that looks nothing like the density bubble shield. You know, that's cool and all, but it is not enough. Yeah, but then a whole mess of comic book science happens. These weird energy spheres appear around the four power kids and Franklin with connectors between them. This superconductor thingy shoots light up into the air, pushing the Elon up, up, and way out of the way, and then the weapon blows up. So the Elon is dead or in space? No. Is Nova dead? No, and not evil anymore either. Oh, phew. Well, that's a relief. Uh, do we have some resolution, debriefing, explanation, or anything? No. Nova says thanks, makes a lame joke, drops a like after forgetting about them for two issues, and then she yeets out without paying her bill. Okay, but the kids get to talk to their worried fathers now, right? No. We find out the name of the mystery man or anything of his mysterious past? No. Uh, anything on the Elan? You know, the being that seems willing to sacrifice itself for Franklin for some reason? Yes. Nah, just kidding. No. Oh, well, uh, what do we get? A small news segment that features a film of Power Pack Sans Masks in their powers. Read Richard saying no comment and make a power crying in the corner of the room screaming no as her mind breaks. Ah, nice. To be continued. Next issue, at the circus. I bet it's the circus of crime. Of course it's the circus of crime. Da 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 da. It's the power pack packaging time and not the circus of crime this issue. <laughs> <laughs> hey boys and girls, welcome to the center ring where we unpack the packaging of power pack. We have got ourselves a Tom Morgan drawn cover. Yes, the guy who drew and did the art in the book is also doing the cover. And we have a big-headed person and a small-headed person. Now, <laughs> the big-headed person is one of the two people, and the small-headed person is the other one. We have Galactus and Franklin on the cover. Which is which? Well, Franklin's got the big head, and Galactus has the small head. He does have a tiny head, even just in comparison to his body. Yeah, and Franklin's head is quite big. It is quite large. It obfuscates Galactus's body quite well. <laughs> the best part about this entire cover mm-hmm. is the corner box that features the John Bogdanov power pack team that we talked about about uh, four or five issues ago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the one with uh, Katie standing on the bottom holding up Franklin and Jack. Alex is clouding behind them and Julie's coming up the center with the rainbow, which is It's cool. a great little corner box. The next best part of this cover is a little word bubble thing explosion in an actually jagged font that says, finally, Galactus. So Jeff, exactly how many panels is Galactus in this? Yes. 
Okay. It is, well, there's, it's more than you think, but there's a lot of, like, eyeball shots of him and stuff, so. One, two, three. Of those three, two are eyeballs, and one is a full, full body. Then there is a, something that I just realized is Galactus's head, so five. A six panel, which actually shows Galactus well. And then a full page of four different panels of Galactus. So. Nine panels. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, done. All gone. The cover is, is, it's Galactus and Franklin. And it, there, yeah. Galactus is looking down, looking angry at Franklin as Franklin looks like he is just tooted in the room or something. I'm not sure. But it, it's a noticeable cover because the Galactus is on it. It's not a well-rendered cover. And it's, it's uh, you know what, it's, it's about as good as anything else in this issue. <laughs> it is a fine cover. It, it's not lying. Galactus and Franklin are together mm-hmm. in Galactus's home ship. So it's very true, but just saying the search is over, finally Galactus. It They weren't really hunting for him or looking for him. It was very much along the lines of Franklin said, Friday, take me to Galactus. And Frank, and Friday said, okay. And they yep. went to Galactus. There was Pretty no much. hunt. There was no searching for resources or gathering yeah. intel or anything or decoding messages written on walls. It was very much just... They went to Galactus, and then yeah. Galactus said, what are you doing here? And they said, we want this thing. And he said, uh, I'll give you a different thing. It's really hard to search for somebody when the ship you're on has his address. Yeah, basically. Yeah, a lot, not a lot of mystery. Friday got up to space and put in, you know, Google Universe, and bam, right, right yep. to Galactus' ship. There we go. She did have to be in park to actually plug in his home address, though, so. Oh, yeah, there's Couldn't that. be riding when you're doing that. Wait, she's got alien awesome tech on her uh, space GPS that lets her do it on the fly. She's got fuchsia tooth. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, uh, Jeff, 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 I got a question for you. Yes? What's happening in this book? Oh, man, so very much is happening. There's a, a, a homeless guy who previously was really scrawny who, when they show him getting manicured, is a beefy, beefy, jacked up man. Uh, he gets a shave and a haircut. He gets all suave. Let's let's cut this down a little bit. We'll get to the mysterious guy sooner or later here. Alex made a bad plan. Jack did some good plans. And then they forgot about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Power, Power Pack is fighting an evil Nova. Sort of. Franklin and Friday go out and get a MacGuffin to reverse... The evil. Potentially, yes. Franklin and Elon both wake up from the comas, and Elon wakes up from the coma and and undoes the evil, saving Franklin's life, and then somehow they save the Elon. There's a lot going on, but nothing is happening, and then they just, it's just, there's some stuff where it's just like, oh, here's a here's a, a plot point, you know, where it's like where they drop the water on Evil Nova, mm-hmm. and the steam that rises up off of that is dissipating Alex's cloud form, and they leave that as like a little cliffhanger, and then they go to, I don't know, space to give a man a haircut or something. It's like, oh, cool. I wonder what's going to go on with that. That seems like an integral plot point. When they come back to Central Park, it's forgotten. It's never brought up. Nothing is... It's just Alex is now a kid. And the, the fight with Nova is a lot of Power Pack standing there in a park. And then and then Jack blasts Nova cups over Kettle every odd once in a while. It, it's There's not much. I, I really was thinking that, yeah, Franklin's got this precog thing that tells him he's got to go see Galactus. But it seems like if he just went early on to go get his dad and say, dad, we got ourselves a problem. Yeah. This would have been solved a lot easier and probably with a lot less destruction. Possibly. There wasn't even any destruction is the thing. There was, 
I think sure. uh, maybe a little bit of Central Park got hurt a little bit, but I don't think so because even on like the very first panel, the very first page, the splash page is Evil Nova going, you know, crazy pants and flame flying and blasting energy everywhere, and there's beams and rays coming down, and it's just like ah, she's trying to kill us, ah, she's become something horrible, but it doesn't hurt anything. There's Nobody's injured. There's no property damage. The most property damage that happens is Jack breaks the support struts on a water tower and then the obliterator self-destructs. It, it's, yeah, there's yeah, nothing. It's a thing. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Let's talk about the kids' personalities because... What personality? <laughs> well, at the very beginning of the book, when we actually had personalities with the kids, before they more or less stopped talking, they were just puppets. Mm-hmm. They were off. They were really off. Yeah. They were doing things and talking in ways that the kids have never talked before. Yeah. They, they were going for a lot of the, I am going to say exactly what I'm doing. And here is my origin story. I can't hide and run because I am a hero too, Alex. That's right, counterweight. You are. But we don't know what evil Nova is capable of. Pretty much. And it yeah. just, everything seemed off, and how they used their powers was off. Or forgot about powers, or didn't use powers. It didn't was, use them, was... or used them in weird ways. It just, it's broken. The book yeah. is broken right now, and I can, you can see why fans were angry during this time, and really were questioning what Tom Morgan was doing. Because yeah. it, it just was not, this, this book has had 58 issues, 57 issues before this. 55 of them were with other artists, other creators, other writers who had developed these characters. There is a history, a book that you can look at and you can figure out how these people talk. Tom Morgan's not caring about it. Instead, he is going and writing a story about some Fantastic Four characters. Basically, and there's a big part of this too is, again, this was, a, I think, a 30, 31-page issue comic. Power Pack in it was in it for, uh, I think, 13 pages. And most of the time they were in there, they weren't really doing anything or when they were doing stuff. It was kind of like, what's the point of this? Why? You could, you could easily replace power pack in there with the fantastic four. Oh, very easily or nobody. Yeah. Power pack is an efficient team. Yeah. They, you know, have been described as like, you know, power players in the Marvel universe kind of thing. They have been, you know, been mentioned as a side. It's like, Oh, and power pack was there and they're heavy hitters. They are, they do some amazing things and they have a really good synergy and teamwork that they do. Yeah. This had of them a lot of the time just going, what should we do? There's nothing we can do. I can't do anything. What can we do? Yeah. They just stood there. They did nothing, nothing. And, and that's the biggest problem with this. Plus we have parts of this book that are just inexplicable, inexplicable. Who is this mysterious guy? I have guesses on that. Okay, he was burnt with flame, but he didn't get hurt. Sure. Uh, he's been to space before. Sure. So he's, you know, he's familiar with it. He seems to know, you know, Frankie Ray, Nova, in a sense where it's like, oh, no, not her. She can't recognize me kind of thing. And, yeah. you know, it's like he when she's flying off going, well, I got to go Grubhub for Galactus late. You know, he's like, oh, mentally, he's all farewell. You know, it's like originally I was thinking, I wonder if this is like Fire Lord. No, it's not him. But then, but then he's also like, oh, my goodness, Galactus is real. And it's like, 
Yeah, he's a so. he's a human from Earth, but th- yeah, they they find they kind of hint at it a little bit more in future books. But the thing is, is that there's a couple of things that are annoying about it. It's that he's there and he's being accepted as just being. It's fine that he's there, and they do yeah. this entire cleanup thing and they make him look presentable and he's totally different looking. And they haven't asked him his name. They haven't done any kind of inquiries into who are you, what are you, why are you here, why are you cool with this, you know? Even Friday has been just like, oh, come on, strange guy, I'm not going to cry, it's all good. Yeah. Nothing is fitting. They are not asking the right questions here about who this person is. And this has gone on way too long. And then they do a tire makeover on this guy. There's a story that he wants to tell. There's a story that's trying to be told here. And I get it that it could be kind of interesting. It's just... It's not really working. It's very forced and unnatural. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, well, Power Pack has not met this guy at all. No. He's just happens to be somebody that's, oh, there's this well-dressed guy that's over there. But they have got other things in their mind. Franklin has cohabitated with him, basically, yeah. and talked to him. There's one part where he's like, hey, and I don't even know that guy's name. Well, that seems like something maybe we should talk about in the future. And they moved on. Yeah, it's stranger it's danger, stranger danger. None. <laughs> Absolutely no stranger danger. It is just the weirdest thing. And you have a world that you can run to. It's like, hey, there's a giant monster attacking and there were toughs that were, you know, that tried to set you on fire. Run away that way. Mm-hmm. Run there. Just run. As opposed to run into this spaceship. No, I'm not running into your spaceship. Well, I'm going to run into your spaceship. I'm going to run the spaceship. And he's just super chill about everything. Uh-huh. I think when he sees uh, Galactus, he's all, merciful heavens. But past that, everything is just copacetic, baby. It's all cool. You know what really ties this room together? Galactus. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe we didn't see it, but he's been just downing white Russians. Maybe that's Maybe. what's going on. I don't know. I don't get it. Yep. Speaking about not getting it, though, we need to talk about what happened on the second to last page here. Because it is... Again, <laughs> we've got the finale that happens here where, okay, we're going to blast Nova. We're going to unevilify her. This is going to be the climax. And then we're going to have some talk afterwards. We have two pages. And half of one of those pages is this thing where the four power kids and Franklin all link together to blast the Elon into space. Now, a lot of things going on here. I can see... Alex kind of linking into some weird chameleon power thing and somehow linking him and his brothers and sisters together to do some chameleon magic. That I can buy. Why is Franklin linked? Franklin does not have chameleon magic with him. (laughs) He's wearing a uniform. That is it. That does not make him chameleon. That does not link the powers together. Why did he split his powers up between the four of them? Not Franklin. Problem. I can understand if they use that power... Because to teleport, because once again, that's a power that exists that they could tie into back to the first issue. And they could could have done something where they teleported the Elon over here and the Dustbuster 5000 over here and the Dustbuster 5000 blows up. No, instead, it looks like they shoot the Elon straight up into the space, which it looks like his back is broken. Yeah. And you don't see him land. And why did they do that? And they left the big gun there on the ground and it blows up next to him what is happening uh it is so weird uh, with the gerbil tube yeah. connection thing going on they have shown before that their powers they can heal yeah. people and stuff right. so yeah you know where it's just like they can team up and do things yes where but and alex has got some sort of instinctual understanding of his power set now which is why he was sure. able to you know stabilize the elon give him a hit point why franklin franklin has small g god powers so why not 
Yeah, it makes no sense, no, though. No. I think yeah, it yeah, is yeah, very yeah, much yeah. along lines because the writer said, oh, I want to do it this way, and just kind of said, oh, they're all in the same costume, so they can all be part of it. Well, like you said, Franklin should not be part of that. It's it's weird. It's unexplained. It is the weirdest use of power. You could say that it was a combination of degrabbing the Elan and density fielding him up or something. You know, it's like, oh, we'll high G you up here and we'll get you out of the way. And yeah, it makes no sense. Uh, they do show the Elan later and he's rubbing his shoulder on the ground. So he got back down somehow, whether it was a feather fall or a crash or a what. <laughs> it, and, and, and then we have two two small panels where Nova's on the ground, she's fine, and then she flies off. That's it. Yeah. The last page is all about how Maggie sees this news report and goes nuts, which yeah. it's nice that this is in here. Okay, I see why you did that. You know what? Why don't you just kick that on over to the next episode, mm-hmm. the next issue. And how about this one? We resolve this plot point. Don't wanna. Don't wanna. Maybe you plot out the thing a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. And here you go. Why did Galactus send a weapon that would kill whoever used it? Why didn't he come himself? Why didn't Galactus come himself? Let's just say I could be wrong on this, but he's not supposed to go to Earth at all. He's not supposed to go to Earth to eat it. How about you go to Earth to, you know, get your Herald who's about to go Nova and destroy everything? Maybe because he's still mad at Reed for keeping him from having a good dinner and the threat of the ultimate nullifier. So he's just like, and also, so Galactus has the ultimate nullifier because I thought Reed was holding on to that. I don't know. That's probably, that's probably a problem too. I'm, you know what? Okay. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's, 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 let's anything else you want to talk about. Problems in the, in the issue. There's, there's tons of them. They're abundant. And some of the problems we can put on the artist, but the artist is, the artist is Okay. We're going to get to that. Let's talk a bit about Tom Morgan, though. Tom Morgan broke into this industry in the 1980s, and he worked for a large number of Marvel titles, mostly as a fill-in artist. He did some work in Captain America, Starbrand, West Coast Avengers, Star Trek. And yes, if this sounds familiar, I did grab a lot of this right off of Wikipedia. Bear with me, though. In the mid-90s, he did work on Punisher 29 and Iron Man for Marvel, and also Extreme Justice in both the action comics and Adventures of Superman titles for DC Comics. He's done a lot of other stuff as well. One thing when I was kind of looking through and seeing some of his work, though, is apparently back in the early 90s, he did about 20 of the cards in the first ever Marvel Comics trading card set, 1901 Marvel Comics set. And especially, he worked on the holographic Silver Surfer one, which was pretty cool. I would like to tell you exactly which 20 cards he worked on, but with all the searching I did, I could not find anywhere that told me which of the ones was his or anybody's. They just do not list the artist for who did the work on the trading cards, which is a crying shame, a big shame, because I'm sitting here with my thick binder of a bunch of early 90s trading cards that, yes, I collect and got all of because I am a geek. And uh, there are some pretty good ones in here, and I would like to know which ones were his and which ones were not. Some of these are good, some of them are bad, but uh, I've got a good old, uh, good memories of these trading cards, and I think that they helped me and a lot of other kids my age at that time, before the advent of the internet, on a popular basis, really understand who characters were and what they looked like, and just some of their back stats. Even though the 1991 cards have the most incomprehensible stats at all, because they tell you how many losses and how many wins each of the characters had and their win-to-loss ratio. And the people who wrote those have gone on record saying, yeah, we made all that up. We just, we threw numbers down. There was nothing at all scientific or researched about it at all. 
Yeah, he's been around doing a lot of thing, doing a lot of art for quite a while. Haven't seen too much of his stuff recently. One of the interesting things that he did do in late 2008 was he drew the biography for Barack Obama that Jeff Marietta did. So there you go. That's why I want to talk a little bit about Tom Morgan. What do you think about his art that we've seen so far? It's not my favorite, but it's it's very passable. It's fine. Yeah, I would agree. A lot of the things that he does that are not power pack are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the power pack, it he does a lot of muscles on the kids, which yeah. we don't like too much. He's got something with Julie's hair that just I'm really confused by. <laughs> it's uh, big and poofy. And Alex's hair, you know, since he's covering up his bald spot, since he's lost all that hair, you cannot tell. You know, he's got more hair than he had previously in all of these images. Because apparently he's really losing his hair, except for when he's not. So, <laughs> a lot of, like I said, a lot of his art that is not Power Pack is kind of cool looking. I, there, there's a couple things. We're going to get that up pretty soon in the art thing, but some of his explosions are pretty cool too, which, you know, they need to be when you're dealing with sciencey stuff. Yep. Sciencey stuff. Wait a minute. That's a segue to Science <laughs> Corner. Yes, it is. <laughs> you talk science, I'm going to look at a hologram. Sounds good. That's a good looking card. I really like that. In this issue, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but a nameless homeless man gets a shave and a haircut. Two bits. And this got me thinking, how does hair grow? Hair grows out of little pockets in our skin called follicles. And here's how it happens. Your hair begins growing from a root in the bottom of the follicle. The root is made up of cells of protein. Blood from the blood vessels in your scalp feeds the root, which creates more cells and makes the hair grow. The hair gets pushed up through the skin as it grows, passing an oil gland along the way. The oil gland adds oil to the hair and keeps it shiny and soft. It can make it greasy too, and that's why you need to wash your hair. The hair dies by the time it is long enough to poke out through the skin. Yes, hair is dead. That's why it doesn't hurt to get a haircut. So, there you have it. How hair grows. Information on the top of your mop. And that is this week's Science Corner. Power thoughts! It is time to put down the big old book filled with all of my trading cards and talk about the pictures in this issue that we want to put on the refrigerator gallery. Jeff Marino. Yeah, my buddy. Do you have some funny, funny stuff that you want to talk about? All right, go to page two. And you will see my joke backup one. There's a lot of funny things on this one. What do you got? Yes, there is. I call it Alex has a bad plan. <laughs> well, yes. And this, <laughs> yes. And this is when Alex was uh, telling Katie touch Nova D Graver so that he could shrink and get under her foot and flip under her. So the centermost second panel of a straining muscular Alex underneath a giant golden foot. Just cracks me up. And so does the panel next to it, really, where it's just like a giant Nova kind of just like looking at him going, you, you, you just, you're going to move me like five inches. What are you, what are you doing? So <laughs> I just thought it was funny because it is. Alex has a bad plan. Yeah. The entire page is funny and I laughed at a lot of it. Well, I would like you to turn to page 13. I am calling this one Guy. Mysterious. Guy. I'm a homeless man in a nice suit. Don't know. Shave and a haircut to bits. And this is on the top left panel, and it is this guy. He's he's so suave that he's actually stepping out of the frame. He's actually stepping on the picture below, which is uh, Franklin getting shock therapy, which is odd. But he's just casually leaning there, looking over at a kid who's in a coma talking to a intelligent spaceship and it's just so 
weird. By itself, yeah. this picture probably is nothing, but it's the fact that here's this homeless guy that's been walking around the ship. Now he's dressed up like James Bond going on a night to the town. It's just wrong. It's weird. It's strange. Everything with homeless guy they picked up is just off-putting just due to the fact it is so left field and it's a non sequitur that is continually shoved into this issue and i it's just i don't get it <laughs> well what do you have for your top let's go back to page two and i call it bad katie that's non-consensual touching oh, i didn't want this one chosen <laughs> Yeah, well, I picked it because it was funny to me, and maybe not everybody would notice it, but anybody reading the comic would totally notice it. I noticed it. it. (laughs) Yep. This is when Alex is telling Katie to touch Nova and degraver. Katie is touching Nova and degraving her and kind of giving a stink eye to Alex during this because Katie is touching her posterior. It just makes no sense. (laughs) It is just this ridiculous... Everything about that is just so ridiculous, where it's just like, Katie, degrab her, and I'll throw her. It's like, Katie's Katie's a natural with the degrab power. She knows the zero-G set really well. She picks people up and huffs them left, right, and center, like, ten days to Sunday. Yeah. To have somebody be like, do the thing you do, but stop the thing you do effectively, and I'll get in on that action. Yeah, you, you, first of all, you're doing two things where you're touching somebody who's on fire. It's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to go back to page 12. I know we're just at 13. We're kind of about jumping back and forth here. But I call this one, For Your Oscar Consideration. <laughs> <laughs> but I know which one you yeah. Bottom panel, eh? Bottom panel. And it's, and it's Jim. And he's got this look of just anguish as he's screaming out, Those are my kids! And reads behind him like, Hmm. Your kids, you say. Sniffing his finger. And and it is just the most dramatic scene. I mean, this is your drama club moment, folks. It is just (laughs) so much drama. It really is. And I like the fact Reed was both unable to keep him away and unable to outpace him running across town. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim, Jim Powers got some powers, man. What can I say? What can I say? Got them strong sticks that he runs around on. He runs fast. So we, we've, we've laughed. We've had some good time. What do we think is good art? Okay, well, let's go to page 14 for my backup vest. And I call it I Spy with My Little Eye. All right. And, yep, this is the bottom left-hand panel, and it's when the suave, debonair, homeless man has entered Galactus's ship and is looking around. He's like, there aren't even words to explain it. But behind him is a giant wall of purple with a kind of a black and blue square window in it. <gasps> Wait, it's not a wall at all. <laughs> That's It's good. a shadow. It's Galactus Man. Yep, it is uh, just the eye of Galactus just pressed up to this homeless guy, just staring at him like, what are you doing on my ship? And as he continues to grow, grow and become bigger and bigger yep. and bigger. Yep. Well, I would like to like expand on that a little bit, if I may, and look at page 22. And I call this one, I'm huge. <laughs> because this is where we see Galactus just kind of hovering in his ship. And you got a little speck up there that's the hovering astral projection of Franklin. And you've got a homeless guy on the deck looking out at Galactus. And Galactus is just standing there in all of his huge glory. Yep. This, yeah, this this is always on my list of, of loves. Just Galactus is always so cool. <laughs> he, he does a very good job with Galactus. I think he's fine. Um, the head could be a bit bigger, but I like it. I like it. What yep. is your top one, sir? Well, let's once again go back to page two, because apparently I'm fixated oh on that page. God, there's nothing left. Uh-huh. Oh, I know what it is. Just, yep. <laughs> And I call this one Hit Me Baby One More Time. 
This is the very bottom panel, and it is Jack powerballing Nova cups over kettle. And I just thought that looks really cool. Yeah. It's evil Nova getting, you know, powerballed to the face and just knocked backwards. It's great. And Jack even put some English on that powerball. It just um, curly cued it yeah. right up there. I know, it's kind of funny how when the Powerball set kind of first started, it was always just like random flying, jiggy jaggy this way, that way. This is, you know, now they just blast it straight almost all the time. This one, yeah, it's got a curly cue and it. it's got a little pig's tail going at uh, at Nova, which is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, he was he was powered up and ready to hit with that one. Oh yeah, it's just I just thought that was a great look and Nova looks cool. The way that they got Jack colored on that looks cool. The speed action lines in the background of the panel look really great. I just thought that was a really yeah. good one. We're going to flip all the way to the back of the book to page 27. And I think you're going to pretty much know which one I'm going to pick here. Let me guess. It's probably Dramatic Reed being pulled back by Jim Power when he nah, sees his kid nah. with a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, we're going to go. No, it's the very bottom We're going to go with Dirty Elon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this, is, this is where the alien has grabbed this gun and he's walking towards the camera and he's got the squinty-eyed look on his face. It is done very, very detailed. It's the best drawing of the Elon we have seen yet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's fierce. He is a competitor. He is out to seek some justice. Also, he's gonna, willing to sacrifice himself and do stuff when I don't even know how he has any idea what's going on because this kid has been unconscious like 99% of the time that it's been happening. Yeah. So unless off panel, Franklin was giving him the rundown where if he even understands English kind of thing. It's just it's a great image. It really is. But it's another one of those like What's going on parts of the comic? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know at all because yep. we're we're kind of dumb. Oh, yep. oh, oh, rubber and glue moment. What's the best or most childish insult in this book? I'm going to start off on Jeff's favorite page of all time, and that's going to be page two. That's where everything happens. Pretty much. <laughs> in fact, I might stay on this page. Um, <laughs> my backup is the entire log of you present no threat to me. So... Mm -hmm. Alex is trying to do things. He's trying to have Katie do something. And Nova's just like, ha, ha, ha. The entire lot of you present no threat to me. So she's just basically lumping them all together and saying, you are nothing. You possess yep. no threat to me. You're nothing, 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 nothing. And let me tell you, if that seems like a very weak rubber and glue, that's because there are some very weak rubber and glues in this issue. Yeah, honestly, it was a little hard to find some stuff in here that where, where you're like, you know, uh, eat it, dog breath. There was none, none of, that, of those. None it of was that. very much. Here's an example on page 15 for my backup rubber and glue moment. And it's Reed talking to Katie after a Nova fire blast just about hit her. And Reed berating Katie as, heavens, child, you must remain ever attentive to the peril that surrounds you. You can't let your guard down, even for a moment. Wow. that That's some... Um, that's some that's that's some some rubber and glue right there. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I'm going to stand that page with my top one because it's right next to that, and it's where he basically says, "This is what caused Frankie to turn into this ruthless brute." That's the best. Yeah, we got. that's whew, that's that's the best you got. I've got uh, I've got a a different one for my top. And that is it's on page 21, and it is Galactus. And this is when he's talking to well-dressed homeless ah, okay. man, you know, which is weigh your words carefully, lest you die like the insect you are. Insect. Ooh. Insect. 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 Die like the insect you are. There you go. Good one, Galactus. Ruthless brute and insect. That's all we yep. got, folks. That brings us to stars and detention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I chose for my worst as Julie. I also did. Why is that? She did nothing besides fly 
And she told the Alex to use his density field, and she spent some time off panel with some Aquanet. She used way too much Aquanet, and that's bad for there the really environment. There really is that. Yeah, she. I'm going for kind of the exact same reasons. She really wasn't there. She did fly a couple of times. The, the times that she was on a panel, she just sat there looking. Yeah, she was. She uh, most everybody was fairly checked out in this. There was a lot of standing around doing nothing by power pack Jack. Well, we'll get to him. Yeah. But, you know, it's just like everybody, Katie degraved once and told Daddy Jim, don't worry, we've saved the earth before. Everybody was bad. Yeah. Except, except Jack. Except for Jack. Yeah, which I was letting slip. He, Jack was, Jack had plans. He was on the go. He was Alex doing had a plan and it was a terrible plan. Jack had plans that were like, let, she's on fire. Let's snuff her out. I'm also going to, hey, Reed, you're going to try and absorb her energy. I can do that too. Let me help. Also, I'm going to hit her with, uh, I can eat her energy and then shoot her back. And again, you know, knock her cattywampus each and every time that I do. Jack was act- Jack was in the background doing stuff mm-hmm. while everybody else was standing around going, what can we do? I don't know. There's nothing to do. Man, this is sure, sure tough. Our best friend, this lady that we just met, has been possessed by a evil entity for a reason. Yeah, it was, yeah. So, Jack. Jack was our best kid. Julie, worst. But I, I want to say right now, we've been begging on this issue a lot, and, and we should put more positive on here. And I'd like to put yeah, some positive. I, I would like to put some positive on here. I, the, the art, we're, like I said, we're making some fun of the art because Power Pack is not really Power Pack. And that's what we were looking at this book for. A lot of the stuff that's not Power Pack is good. He does a good job with that. The characterization is bad. Some of the plot lines are bad. I like some of the some of the plot stuff is kind of neat. The concept but it's the concept is good. It's just not yeah. handled right. It's it's executed yeah. poorly, I guess is what it is. Yeah. So there there is some positive that's in this book. It's not there's things that the uh, that the writer is trying to do and he's just not hitting it right. It's really disappointing because this is the third part of this little trilogy that he's written here and it's ended up being nothing it really has ended up Pretty being much. nothing and and this is, should be the part where you really shine you have built up the last two books you've got a good story that you're trying to tell where is it what's going on why isn't it happening you know what i'm realizing is the biggest story beat that's happened in this is the the reveal these are your kids and they have powers you now know it again oh. kind of thing you know that's a big reveal, but it's also... It's muddled with a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's, whereas, it's like... Whereas you had the big reveal during Inferno, our number one book on our list. Yeah. Uh, with the Boogeyman, they have Inferno going on. Yeah. There was a lot happening in that. And that, w- that was forced. That was a forced, you know, reveal yeah. from the Boogeyman. It was in a... Haha, it's a saw trap. I'm Jigsaw. Right. You know, what what body part do you want to lop off to get out of this room kind of thing? Which was, we have superpowers. We're power packed. Mm-hmm. Okay, boom. There's a big reveal. This was a news crew showed up and filmed them because... Alex wasn't a cloud. And we're missing a lot of the a lot of the real reactions because you know the reactions yeah. are happening, but the kids aren't seeing it. And yeah. and we aren't in a position, we the readers aren't in a position where it's really punching us. So mm-hmm. all of this being said, let's go ahead and rank this. And we've already mentioned our top book, which was Power Pack number 42, Revenge of the Boogeyman. We're gonna drop all the way down, and I'm gonna skip right on down to 20. Number 20 spot is trapped. That's where the kids go sledding and Alex and Johnny fight. All the way down at number 40, we've got 
Power pack number 31, Crackdown. That's where Alex burns down a crack house in order to destroy all of the drugs. Never stops being funny. <laughs> 55, we've got power pack number 7, Man and Dragon Man. That's where four new robots attack the kids and Dragon Man is taken. And, of course, the bottom we have the Axe of Vengeance issue with Typhoid Mary, power pack number 56. Now, previously, we put power pack 57, the issue before this, the two, the two, the two issues before this are at spots 16, 61. 57 is at 60, 56 is 61. So quality went up slightly from the first issue. Where do we think this one's at? I kind of think quality has gone down on the on the end. I would put it below issue 56, which is slot 61. I actually am looking at it at uh, at this less favorably than I'm saying we start looking underneath the slot 61 yeah. and then go on that slide. I'm not saying it's the new 62. So All right. I'm I am willing to say that this Power Pack number 34 where KB and Franklin uh, reinvent Stranger Danger by hanging out with Madcap, I think that's better story. Okay, yeah. Because Katie and Franklin were, were much more like themselves in that issue. It's true. They were just, they were being erstwhile sprites. They were rambunctious and looking for fun because they were both bored. So, but yeah, they were very much themselves. Do you like this better than Shelter from the Storm where Dagger loses her memory? Yeah, I have to put this above Shelter from the Storm because Shelter from the Storm is... There are some creepy elements in Shelter from the Storm that we're not quite getting here. This is bad, but it's not disturbing. Okay, that's easy then. Let's just make it be the new number 64, replacing uh, Shelter from the Storm. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. And that will lead us to the final thoughts we have on the beer. What do we think of Long Gone by The Brewing Project, this hazy India Pale Ale? What do we think about this? I'm still enjoying it. I mean, it's warmed up a bit, and so I'm starting to get some of that metallic taste, but I'm still enjoying this. I think this is a very good beer. It still has got that nice, smooth flavor. It's got that sweetness. I like a little bit of sweeter. No, I've been enjoying drinking this. It's starting to pull on my tongue a little bit more, but it's still fairly pleasant. I've been drinking it down. It's getting a little warmer. We're going to get that. I really like this one. I've been enjoying this one. It's a hazy IPA, but it's different. It's not what you're expecting. This this is a very good beer. I think this is a very... I was really interested in getting this when I bought this beer anyways because it was with a section, especially beers, that's a little out of our area. So I think it's well worth it. I think that this this is a beer that's been sought out, and it's it deserves some praise. I'm willing to give this one a... I'm willing to give this one a four and a half. Wow. Let's take a hit on this again. Because my instinct is to go three, five on it, but it is pretty decent. I'll go four on it. Yeah. You talked me up. I was going to instinctively go three, five, but I'll give this one a four. It's got a lot going for it. Like we were saying, the hop notes are starting to come a little bit more forward quicker. My tongue is getting a little kind of gripped on when I'm drinking it, but it's not disabling me yeah. while I'm drinking it. It's been enjoyable. Yeah. And do you know what else is enjoyable? What's that? Listening to you talk to your adorable daughter, Carrie, about the issue that we just covered. So... Rick and Carrie take it away in a segment we call Kids Perspective. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. How are you this fine Sunday? Good, and you? I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. We're back talking about another Power Pack comic. This one is Power Pack number 58. Huh, wow. Starstruck, right? That's a lot of comics. We've talked about these comics for a long time now, haven't we? Yep. And you've pretty much enjoyed all of them, haven't you? Mm-hmm. You have. You've, you've liked most of the comics we've reviewed. Yes. Did you enjoy this one? 
Not really. <laughs> okay. I just don't really like these this run of three series. Yeah, you're you're not liking this creative team, are you? Not quite. Is it the writing? Is it the art? Do you know what it is that you don't like? I kind of explained it on the other two. You just don't really like the writing, right? Yeah. The, the kids don't seem like themselves. Yeah, at some points, yeah. Okay, well, let's see if we can pick apart some of the things you liked or didn't like about this. Is there anything in here that you that you really didn't like or you found weird? The first thing I found weird was that Jim and Maggie immediately recognize their kids. I mean, sure, they probably have never seen them on TV or anything in person, but I think that hearing about some four kids going around saving the universe might be a teensy bit close to where their kids who their kids might be. Well, this time they, they, they both get to see the kids different times. Maggie saw them on TV and Jim saw them in person and they're like, oh my gosh, it's our kids. Oh no. I mean, like they could have taken a teensy bit of time to recognize it, but they just were like, oh my gosh, those are my kids. Like immediately. How do you think Jim reacted? Because he was there, he saw the kids, he freaked out and then he just kind of stood there, right? Yeah, that was a little odd. And what about how the kids reacted to him just standing there? It's like they hardly even noticed him. Yeah, they were standing next to him, but they weren't really interacting with him. They're like, oh, there's this guy here who is our dad, and he just found out that we had powers. Okay, moving on. A little bit different than we've seen them react other times, right? Yeah, and we've definitely seen them react, like, before. During the Inferno, when the Boogeyman forced them to reveal their powers. It was much different, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm mean, sure the parents got upset, but Jim was a teensy bit calmer in this. And they were able to talk to them and... And, and act as if it was totally normal. Yeah. So, we didn't like that. What about that strange guy that's been walking around these issues? What about him in this issue? At first, I had no idea why we were looking at this man. I'm like, what? So, can we go back to the fight yet? (laughs) And then when he walked aboard Friday, they welcomed him with open arms or something. And they're like, hello, welcome. Please have a seat. And then right here, they're like giving him a shower, making him look clean. And they're doing all these things to help him. And he's just this stranger. And we don't know who he is, his name or anything else, right? Yeah. And it's the weird thing is, is that they never really asked him his name it's like they're like okay hello welcome skipping the introductions okay here have a seat and uh look over these two people (laughs) okay yeah so that didn't work for either was there anything that you liked in this book i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i just realized another thing what does galactus like just randomly give out all these stuff (laughs) That, that is a very good question, Carrie, and, and my answer would be no. No, he does not. And he acted as if it was totally normal that this guy appeared, and then um, a kid came out too. Now, in the past, the Fantastic Four have beaten Galactus, and they've got they've got a deal with Galactus that he's not allowed to attack Earth again. So Galactus might have a little bit of respect for Reed, but. Yeah, you're right. It seems very convenient that he just hands out something to this kid and this guy, right? He's like, oh, 
Oh, I have no idea who you are. So I'm just going to hand out this wep- this very powerful weapon to you and just let you get on this way without fighting. Yeah. Kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Not your favorite book, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to tell you that better books are coming. Hooray! But I'm not going to lie to you. We got we have a few more to slog through before we get to some good ones. And we've got some really rough ones coming up. So hang in there, honey. This is kind of a, kind of a struggle for us. Oh, boy. Yeah. We'll, we'll do our best and we'll talk through them and we'll, we'll review them as best we can, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your time. Your comments were really helpful. Thank you. Welcome. I love you. I love you, too. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I could see that, Carrie. I could see that. Wise and observant as always. Thank you so much for joining us. Shout out time! We like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 73, where we cover Power Pack number 55, Mysterio, AJ, Charles Gears, Chris with BTO Bat Books, Chris Leiden, Cindy Heineken, Fractal, who gave us the awesome coaster we mentioned on the show, Green Lantern HG, who said, Great episode, guys. So the legend of the hand up the toilet didn't occur to old fishbowl head. And come on, it's not like the kids wouldn't have figured this one out fast. True, it's a bit Scooby-Doo, but I liked it. Hal Jordan. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Daw. The Longbox Crusade with Delvin the Dark Web Williams. And Jason the Weasel Skull Albright. Malcontent. John from Married with Cartoons. Matthew Birdsey. Max Trevor. New Warriors Talk. Nicholas Prom and Captain Freakout Psychedelic Radio. Sean Ross and the Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Tim Price! Come on down, you're the podcrasher. And his show, The Outcasters. Waffles from Waffles and Mario Talk About Things, who said he will be listening as he bikes home from work, so if he crashes laughing so hard, he's going to blame us. And in Saturn News, there was an accident in New Zealand involving a laughing man crashing his bike into a poor dog. It was the saddest news we had ever seen. <laughs> Just it was kidding. the saddest news. He's fine. He's, He's fine. fine. He didn't, He's fine. Right. He's He's didn't hit anybody. We're joshing you. <laughs> Be sure to check out our other shows that we're on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast and Monthly Monday Movie Muckabouts on the Longbox Crusade podcast. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Burke Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recording in front of a live studio audience of a binder full of Marvel trading cards in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Burke Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Burke Present, our email address, Jeff and Burke Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Burke Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is Jeff and Burke Present. And and if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us, and if you have the opportunity, make sure you block 
blind your co-host with a holographic foil card and share your love for us on social media. Please do that. And as, well, not the blinding part. That's terrible. It was very, very distracting. <laughs> it's the sharing your love for us with on social media. That's what we want. Not the blind. <laughs> Don't blind people. That's terrible. It's the worst thing you can do amongst many other worst things you could do. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. off. Our theme music is Eddie's Action. Also featured in this episode is Tyrant. All music is by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. <laughs> I'm going to go back to irradiated. You know, with them cosmic rays and all. You know, they got irradiated. Cosmic rays. Those rays. You know, from the cosmic lady, the evil cosmic lady who irradiated them. Dumb. Dumb. Yoink. Plus, Friday does a deep scan of the guy and discovers that no one only... Beer in my tummy makes the bubble bubble bubbles. Beer in my tummy makes me feel real funny. Yoink! Meanwhile on Manhattan's Upper West... Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile on Manhattan's Upper West Side... No, do the first reading again. I preferred that. I know. <laughs> Yoink! The zap to the comatose kid kicks the consciousness kitty corner into the kid... Darn it. So close. <laughs> Yoink! Home of the person... Hurst? Hurst? Home. Hurst? Hurst surgery. That's Hurst. The rolling hills of Scotland. I don't know if they have hills. I'm going to take my purse and go home. (laughs) First purse. Yoink. Shortly, which does not describe Galactus. (laughs) (laughs) Nice add-in. Thank you. Yoink! Back to Franklin, the device. Back to Franklin, the device in his hands is called the elemental opulator. Obliterator, not opulator. Mm, nope, makes, nope, nope, nope. <clears throat> it makes it makes the uh, it makes them ovulate. It's the ovulator. It makes, the ovulator. Yoink! Which will lead us to my daughter running around, stomping and having fun, or being noisy.